Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode 34 of the Pete on Software podcast. I'm recording this on Sunday, February 15th, 2015. Today, I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a few weeks, brought on by a tweet that I read. There are certain things in software design that seem like they're givens. People talk about them all the time, like they're the holy grail, and that you should cling to them no matter what. One of those ideas is that your code should be dry. I'm not talking about pouring water on your computer, which incidentally I don't recommend, but I'm talking about dry as an acronym that stands for don't repeat yourself. So what does that mean? Dry is aimed at reducing repetition of information of all kinds, especially in multi-tier architectures. The dry principle is stated as, every piece of knowledge must have a single, unambiguous, authoritative representation within a system. One of the first times that I ran across this was in the book The Pragmatic Programmer by Andy Hunt and Dave Thomas. When your code is truly dry, modifying any single element of a system does not require a change in other logically unrelated elements. Additionally, elements that are logically related all change predictably and uniformly, and because of that, everything's always synced up and together. So this seems like a pretty good idea, right? I mean, if you have a method that calculates tax in your data layer, and you have a method to calculate tax in your UI layer, which one's right? When you change one, you most likely have to rely on tribal knowledge to know to go and change it in the other place. In the best case, you have a lot of copy and paste code. In the worst case, You implement the methods differently, and they behave differently, and you cause bugs in your system. Obviously, this is a great idea. Another great idea in software development is to keep your code loosely coupled. What does that mean? By loosely coupled, I mean that a loosely coupled system is one where each of the system components has or makes use of little or no knowledge of the definitions of separate components. It can also include the coupling of classes, interfaces, data services, any of that. So, what? So, coupling is how much direct knowledge the one component has of another component. I don't mean the object-oriented topic of encapsulation. I'm talking about loose coupling means less interdependency, less coordination between modules, and less information flow between modules. This sounds like a good idea, right? Two good ideas, two in a row, two for two, hitting it out of the park today. Dry and loose coupling. The problem is that you cannot have 100% of both of them. Often in software design, architects like to give the it depends answer, and we get made fun of a lot for that. But the truth is, is that it really does depend. There are ways to help dry be as loosely coupled as possible with interfaces, etc. But the truth is, though, that if I need to change the signature of an interface, I have to change every single module that calls it, whether or not it needs the functionality created by the signature change. If the code hadn't been abstracted away, I would only be changing one class. Instead, I'm opening and changing tens or hundreds of classes, depending on how popular my dried out code is. And I get it, there's workarounds here. Maybe you overload the method, or you version the method or API, so you change it less. But the fact is, every substantial change happens in more than one place. And once one class needs to call another class for anything, you face more problems. Maybe you need to introduce dependency injection, taking another dependency for your project with that library. 
so that different classes don't know details of how to construct other classes, or if you use a factory pattern rather than a version of control and dependency injection, you now have tightly bound yourself to that factory. If you dependency inject the factory, what the heck are you doing? You're just making things complex for the sake of it. My favorite principle, the actual my favorite principle, is YAGNI, which is another acronym which means you ain't gonna need it. Personally, I build systems in such a way that I'm not afraid to refactor, and in fact, I constantly refactor. Let's pretend there's that apply tax method, and I put that right in the class that needs it. It's just a method in the class. I don't create a tax helper class right off the bat. Why? What's the point? Even if one other class needs it, I may not pull it out. But as soon as the users get greater than one, I will most likely pull it out. But even then, at only two users, it is a static or class level method on some helper class, not a full-fledged object yet. All the people that get out there and they start from day one to build a system that can scale to a billion users and can be worked on by teams of hundreds of coders and handle being on multiple servers across redundant data centers, all that, they're overcomplicating things. They're solving problems that they don't have yet. If your app is for 20 people to use in the accounting department, you probably don't have to write a server-independent caching layer. But I say people doing just that all the time. Even if you're building the next Facebook, you aren't going to have a billion users right away. Mark Zuckerberg started with Harvard's campus and slowly rolled out school after school before even getting to the public. Zuck and the developers found the patterns they needed as they needed them, not because Zuck had some crazy foreknowledge. Keep that in mind. Focus on solving the problem at hand and know the limitations of the pattern you were trying to apply. And, as we saw a little bit earlier, if those patterns conflict with one another. Do that, and you'll win more than you lose. My pick of the week this week are videos that you can find over at toptal.com, T-O-P-T-A-L.com. And you can find them at www.toptal.com videos. Easy enough to remember. The videos are in-depth and example-based tutorials, and they have transcripts included with them too, in case you're having any trouble following along or you want to study them separately. They are currently very JavaScript-focused with Angular underscore and more, just raw JS, that kind of stuff. But it looks from the sidebar like they're looking to and are willing to expand the catalog. The videos are bite-sized, high-quality, and best of all, free. Check them out. That's it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, let me know. I'm at Pete on Software on Twitter, or you can find the notes for this podcast on my blog at PeteOnSoftware.com. Until next time. 